0: Frank Martini was um, an architect and he worked uh, for the Port Authority. He actually was the, uh, he worked at the World Trade Center. He was the construction manager for the World Trade Center. His office was on the 86th floor of the North Tower, which was the first one to be hit. He was uh, having coffee with uh, a couple of his co-workers and his wife. She actually also worked in the building. 846, uh, the first plane hits the North Tower uh, about five or six floors above where they were. Um, he got his wife out, got her out of the building and he promised her that he'd be, he'd be right behind her Uh, so she went down, he started to go up. He started to climb up to the next floors where kind of the horror was. Um, and I guess, uh, elevators were totally frozen. They were just stopped. There was no, no way. People were trapped in them all over the building. Um, so he started prying open doors, elevated doors where these people were. And then I guess when, you know, they were trying to make their way through stairwells which had been completely blocked. So he was uh, smashing through walls, smashing through drywall, creating ways of, of escaping uh, because I guess the main halls and lots of the stairwells were just completely unpassable. Um, they say he, he saved at least 50 people. Um, people who absolutely would have died because they were trapped. They were trapped in these elevators. They just, like, there's no way power was going to be restored. There was no way they were going to be able to reopen these elevators. Um, So he freed these people. He freed these at least 50 people. At 1028, uh, the North Tower fell, so he never made it out. Um... Can you imagine being one of those 50 and remembering him, remembering what he was doing? Imagine you're one of the 50 and you were in one of those stalled elevators and you see him somehow opening the door. Um, Can you imagine being one of those 50 and now being at your daughter's wedding, like you're in the lobby of the church ready to walk her down the aisle. Or maybe it's uh, two years later and you're at your grandson's christening. And you absolutely know, like without question, had it not been for this architect, you wouldn't be walking her down the aisle and you wouldn't be holding your grandson. You'd be dead, but just without question. Like he traded his life, sacrificed his for those 50. Well, this is what it says. We just heard it. I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. This guy, John Perry, was a uh, police officer. That morning, he was, had just completed the paperwork for retirement. He was young, he was only, I think, 38. He was at police headquarters. He had gotten his, uh, gone to law school just passed the bar and he had a job waiting for him for a Manhattan law firm so he's retiring he's at police headquarters and uh i guess a call came in i guess i think it was the second call like the first call was troublesome enough a plane had crashed into the towers but at that point we could that pot could that have been a mistake maybe we weren't sure well i mean obviously as soon as the second one happened there was no longer a question so when the call came in while he was still at police headquarters about the second one they say he um like literally reached over the counter to where the clerk was and he took back his badge. He had handed in his badge and he took it back and uh, you know, he wasn't in uniform, he was retired. So he went out, went out onto the street to uh, like one of those tourist t-shirt kind of sh- stores in the city and he bought a golf shirt that said NYPD on it. And he put that on. Uh, trying to look at least somewhat official and he raced down to um, the lobby of the North Tower and the last, the last people, the last they saw of him, uh, I guess it was in the lobby and he was carrying a woman out who was uh, desperate, you know, she was complaining of chest pains and she, she, couldn't, she couldn't walk anymore so he carried her, or started to carry her and then uh, that was it the tower collapsed and he never made it out and he was retired he he was retired at that point and he kind of unretired to go rescue people it's the gospel i am the good shepherd a hired man who is not a shepherd and whose sheep aren't his own he sees a wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he runs away, the good shepherd doesn't run. Or at least he doesn't run away, he runs too. The way that cop did. You know, those stories, I remember reading about those two stories from this uh, book that I have. It's a great book, it's called uh, 102 Minutes, The Untold Story of the Fight to Survive inside the Twin Towers, and it's uh, written by these two New York Times reporters. And it's interesting, it's uh, it's just eyewitness accounts. There's no, it's not like a, you know, some academic who did a, a, a historical study of the day. It was all documentation from people who were there, um, so lots of interviews, but also uh, phone messages and emails that were sent from people in the towers who, who died that day. So in, a, in a, like a h- heartbreaking way, like we hear from them in this book as well. And it's just these series of stories of just, the theme of the book seems to be like, it's like ordinary people who just took extraordinary steps to save the lives of other people. This was a uh, one of the reviews for that book. Woven throughout the book are stories of grace from the thousands of hours of interviews that these authors conducted with survivors. The authors pieced together the stories of ordinary men and women who found extraordinary courage and generosity in the midst of horror. Stories of grace. I love that. Stories of grace ordinary people who in a moment became rescuers and protectors, shepherds, people who in a moment of grace proved this gospel. How do did, how did people do that? Like we, we read these stories, you hear these stories and we're we're blown away by them, and we're clearly inspired by them. And, but I think we also wonder, like, what would lead someone to, to be so wildly selfless? Um, Frank Martini and John Perry, like, how did they do that? Where did this, I don't even know you, but I will rescue you, I don't even know your name and I will protect you. I will die for you. Like, where does that come from? I mean, is it just uniquely courageous people? I mean, I, I guess you could, you could just say that. Peter says something else very definitely, very differently, St. Peter. He says, it comes from God. Greatness comes from God. Selfless heroism comes from God. Jesus is, I mean, Peter rather is speaking here um, after he's performed a miracle. Peter's performed a miracle. Jesus is gone at this point. This is the acts of the apostles. This is after Jesus, after Good Friday and Easter Sunday. This is the early church. And it's almost like, it's like deja vu. This crippled guy comes up, and Peter Peter heals him. And people start raising up Peter like, man, he's like Jesus. Maybe he's God. And Peter real clearly says, no I'm not, and don't go raising me up, because I'm not responsible for this. Don't give me credit. It comes from God, it comes from Christ. He's the cornerstone. He's the one that keeps the buildings together. He's the source of courage. He's the source of greatness. And by the way, he says, there's there's no salvation through anybody else. Don't go raising up anybody else and make them more than they are, because they're not, it's only God, it's only Jesus. You know, on a very practical level, I think like these days, when we see people or we, we don't see people in church the way we used to. People who are just, you know, I don't know. People who are kind of everywhere except here. Maybe, I don't know if they just kind of got into a, like a funk, kind of just a, a lazy spell. Because they're not laying low anywhere else, but they are from here. But you know what, it, it proceeds last March. People are you know, sometimes we talk as if like, the churches were full. 14 months ago. I mean, they weren't, right? I'm just thinking of the people, whether it's COVID-connected or not, like people who have just, for whatever the reasons, have become far from here, distant from faith, removed from Christ. Like, that's a dangerous thing on a very practical level for this reason. Greatness comes from God heroism, selfless courage comes from God. So if we're not close to God, it's not going to rub off. We're not going to be inspired nearly to the degree. But when we're here, we are. We literally receive him in the sacrament. We We hear from him in scripture. We're built up by each other. So the need for being here is like, we can't speak enough of it. So those that we care about and those that we love who just have checked out, you need to be shepherds and try and check them back in. Because if the churches remain empty, I think we have less Frank Martinis and John Perrys because this is where courage is bred. It's like God just sends us, it seems to me, shepherds. God sends them into our lives, sometimes in unbelievably dramatic ways like the stories I told. He also sends us. He sends, I think, shepherds to us and he sends us to be shepherds to the sheep that we encounter. Last week I was over at one of the nursing homes in town and we've really been, you know, they've been pretty much off limits, Um, but they're opening up. So uh, there was a call to go over and anoint an old man who was, you know, close to death. And we went, I went in and um, had to wait for a while. Well, I went in and I, I, I couldn't go up unless I had to be tested. So I was, and then I had to wait for about 15 minutes for the results to come back. So I was hanging out in the lobby and uh, there was this, either a nurse or a, uh, an aide, I'm not sure which, but she was amazing. I was watching her with these residents, and the way, it's, two of them, and two residents in particular, who were in wheelchairs, and they were just in the lobby, and how she engaged them, and how she was so patient with them. And she was just so present to them. She was just so kind. You know, sometimes you, you see the opposite, right? Sadly, you know, you, you see sometimes people who work in, in nursing homes, they're, they're kind of abrupt. They're kind of dismissive of people who are limited. They kind of move quick. They don't really engage. But man, this, this shepherd, God, she was so the opposite. Like I was thinking, man, if I had, you know, if my grandmother was in that nursing home, I'd be so grateful that God sent her to my grandmother. And nobody was, she wasn't doing it to be seen. It was just, it was coming from the heart. It was totally this gospel, just showing these people dignity, like at the, toward the end of their lives, or it was. Yesterday I had a funeral down at Ignatius for a guy um, who died very suddenly. Uh, wonderful guy. His name was Larry and uh, lived down here for years, had a f- three kids and a, had a granddaughter and a wife. And um, His kids got up and spoke, adult kids, uh, gave a eulogy and his daughter, the youngest gave this, just this beautiful tribute to her father and just talked about how he was, he was just so, so present to, to them. Growing up, he was such a great husband. He was clearly a great father. And, but then beyond, they talked about the wake and like people that they didn't even know of who came up and paid their respects and told stories about their father, just were kind of blown away and inspired. Which is so great to hear a, a daughter speak about her father that way. With such, with such gratitude. And then the son was up there, too, and I think he kind of, was like a spontaneous thing. I, she was the one who was only one scheduled to speak, and then he went to the, he followed her, and he didn't have any notes, but he said his version of the same thing. And then at one point, he said um, his father was a huge fisherman. So he said, you know, as early, he doesn't remember not fishing with his dad. That's how early on, he got him into it as a little boy. And he just talked about the time they spent together, the two of them, fishing. And how he'll like, it's priceless. You can't buy that. And he said, uh, he said they, they'd be on the on Ocean Parkway, well, heading either way, I guess, coming or going. And he said they would count the rabbits on Ocean Parkway. We used to do the same thing on uh, The Loop, coming from Floral Park to Point Lookout when I was a kid. And this guy is talking about his dad. He's talking about counting rabbits. It wasn't about the rabbits. It was this son saying, yeah, like my father just spent so much time with him. The rabbits are irrelevant. It was the time spent, the company, I and mean, that's what great shepherds do. And that's why at the end of this guy's life, like the people that mattered most were like raising him up with such gratitude. Nobody's gonna write a book about the guy who counted rabbits with his kid. Like it's not, it's not 9-11 heroism. And nobody's even gonna write a book about the, the nurse in the, in the nursing home, as important as that is but it's all about being shepherds. They're all stories of grace. So create stories of grace. Be the shepherd. Be the good shepherd.